Today, Neil and I talk about what the Light the World campaign has meant to our family over the past several Christmas seasons, some of the good we've been able to be part of, and how easy it is to get involved no matter what faith you belong to. We share some personal experiences and my strong personal philosophy of why social media exists and the power of doing a little good on the internet and how far that can go to change lives. We talk about some favorite memories of Light the World service days and some of the things we're excited to do this year too. If you want to join us, you can go to lighttheworld.org to find a calendar of 25 very simple ways you can serve in the 25 days of the Christmas season, and even sign up to get simple text alerts if you want, each day reminding you of what that day's theme is. We hope you will join us in making this year the best Christmas season ever by bringing Christ back into the true reason for the season. Today, you guys, we have a very special episode for you going into the Christmas season. I have my lovely co-host here, Neil. Hello. <laughs> Making an appearance, yes. And it is 10.45 p.m. on a Saturday, but we're going to just get this done because it's so important. And I am so excited to be headed into the Christmas season because, I mean, of all the things all the reasons why everyone loves Christmas. Christmas has always been my favorite time of year ever since I was a little, little kid. I think because I'm kind of a romantic and I love like Christmas lights and people being cheery and happy and giving and I, <laughs> my love language is gifts and so many reasons why I love Christmas. But the reason I love it most is because it's the time of year that we celebrate the Savior's birth and our Savior Jesus Christ. And I just love that during that time of year, so many people turn their hearts toward the Savior. And the way that we have found just to be so impactful and so meaningful to be able to really actually focus on the Savior is doing what our church calls Light the World. And it's this very simple campaign that they do around Christmas time. And this year they're giving us 25 ways in 25 days to serve someone. And I love that the tagline this year is one by one. So you're supposed to just serve one person each day. And they're giving very, very simple prompts. And you can even sign up for like a text message to be sent to your phone as a reminder of what that day's service is. So we're just going to talk about why this is so meaningful to us, some of the really cool experiences we've had in the past and what we're most looking forward to. So Neil, do you want to start us off with maybe a favorite memory or two of Light the World in the past? Well, the big one was we were a part of the Light of the World, what, two years ago for basically setting up or clean water systems for areas or countries that don't have access to clean water. So we went down with an organization to Dominican Republic and were able to, to tour some of these villages and remote areas where they don't have a source of clean running water. They were having to bucket it in from like a local spring and travel several miles to get it. And it was just this big, crazy task just to get simple, clean water. And, and even at that, it it was questionable whether or not, you know, how clean that water actually was. So that was a really cool experience. That was something that was profound. We went down with a group just from some people from our, our church, went down and some other influencers as well. It was just a really cool experience. Just I think the people we went down with and then the experience as a whole was really eye-opening and just very humbling to see that and to learn about just something as basic as clean water, how much we, I, take that for granted. Yeah. And the really cool part of that is that we were able to take our platforms that, 
you know, Neil and I always talk so much about how can we be using this for good? How can we be making sure that with all the blessings that God has given us and with this very large responsibility of making sure that we're using it not just to sell shoes and bags, but to do some good in the world that, you know, we could bring people together for a cause that really matters. So what was so cool is that day that Light the World suggested that people find a cause to contribute to that was worthwhile. We were able to, you know, with the collective group of people that went down there, all post about it and then raise, I think it was like over $100,000. I think we were able to fund 10 clean water villages. Is that right? I think so. It was more. um, Somewhere around there. I mean, it was between like, you know, 10 to 15 grand to fund a village. So to basically set up a system for a village that would enable them to have clean water for the entire village. So I think we funded 10 or more of those. Yeah, so cool. Collectively. And, I mean, it wasn't us. It was yeah, like yeah, it was everyone probably was a, a lot of the of people listening to this yeah, who you're probably contributed a part of that. It was really to, cool. Yeah. And to think about how using something like Light the World to truly <laughs> just change people's lives. Like it's such a cool thought that we were able to bring a lot of people who have good hearts together into one cause and make a big difference was such a cool thing. But I almost love even more. And they are there is a day this year where you're prompted to think about giving a small donation if you can to a charitable organization that you believe in. It's during the first week, Friday, December 6th. Find a way to help someone in need by making a small donation. Consider the list of giving machines or charity partners at lighttheworld.org. So the giving machines are such a cool concept, and we experienced this for the first time last year with our kids. And this year, there's many more locations than last year. I think there were only like four or five locations or something. This year, there's 10. And those are in Manhattan, New York Temple, Polynesian Cultural Center in Laie, Hawaii, the Hyde Park Chapel in London. There's one in the Philippines, San Jose, California, Las Vegas, Gilbert, Arizona, downtown Salt Lake City. Orem, Utah, and Denver, Colorado. So what it is is this big vending machine where you walk up to it and instead of buying like a candy bar or a soda, you're buying something like a soccer ball or a pair of shoes or a vaccine or a hundred meals for a food bank. And I was a fan of the goat. You could buy a goat or like a cow for someone, you know, in in areas where that was like a a major need and a significant, you know, help to somebody's family. You could buy a goat. It wasn't an actual goat in this machine. It just was a piece of paper that basically said that, hey, we're going to give this area or these people a goat for you. Yeah, our kids totally got a kick out of that. And they chose the goat. So we bought a goat. And maybe one or two other things. But what was really cool is you put your credit card in and then you choose, you know, just like a normal vending machine, like A2 or whatever. And then the little thing rotated and slid down to the bottom. And then our kids were kind of like, wait, where's our stuff? Like, they're so used to a vending machine giving you something. And then it was such a perfect learning opportunity for us to teach them. We're giving it to someone else. So that represents us giving a donation to help someone else in need. And I just thought that was such a cool way to teach children because children are so, they're such visual learners. So that was so fun for them to see that and experience that and have that be such a real thing. So in 2019, with a lot fewer 
vending machines than they're having this year. They raised $99,313, so almost $100,000 with these vending machines. So this year they have, I believe, almost double the amount of vending machines. So it'll be really cool to see how much they're able to collect with the giving machines. You can see even like a little video demo of that at comeunterchrist.org. Anyway, even if you don't have access to that, what is really cool about the charity partners that the church vets, I know that our church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, goes through a thorough, thorough vetting process to make sure that these companies that are listed as charity partners has to be a very, very small percentage of overhead that the company's taking and a very large portion of it is going right back to where you intend the money to go to. And so I know that there's a lot of kind of worry right now with people giving their money to certain organizations and then finding out later like, oh, (laughs) people kind of got scammed into giving money to certain causes or whatever that ended up being kind of just a front or whatever. Like one thing I really love about working with the church's charity partners is knowing that they've done that very, very thorough vetting process to make sure that the charities that they're working with are really actually doing the maximum amount of good with that money. But I mean, anyone that you feel really passionate and prompted to give your money to, like even if it's just a small amount, I think giving just a little bit can go such a long way. And the last two podcast episodes that we've done have been about really, really wonderful organizations that we believe in. Days for Girls was two weeks ago where, you know, they help girls and young women have access to feminine hygiene products so that they can actually be part of society and not have to just sit in their home on like a piece of cardboard for five days during their menstrual cycle. So that's just such a cool way to help so many women have a completely different outlook on life and literally have a different life because they don't have to drop out of school. They can still advance in their education and in their careers and have leadership opportunities and all kinds of things. So that's one that we believe in so much. And then obviously too, last week was Amanda Smith's story of her daughter, Lyndon Smith, who has battled childhood cancer the last several months. She's seven years old and they've raised more than $40,000 for pediatric cancer research. And so, you know, we also believe so strongly in that and giving children a better chance of not only surviving, but also just finding better ways to help them overcome cancer because they've been using these same methods for decades and So much of the money that the government has to put toward cancer research does not go toward children and to pediatric cancer. So that's what, you know, Amanda and her family has been trying to raise awareness and raise money for. So, you know, we have links in the show notes for those two episodes of how you can get involved in those. And we really believe in both of those organizations. But I just think in general, like on that day, picking something to give to is just such a great way to feel like you gave a little bit of that Christmas cheer in the way that Jesus taught us to, you know, to things that really, really matter. So I wanted to tell a little story too about light the world the first year that we did it do you have very many memories of that first season that we did it was 25 days 25 ways so it was an everyday thing do you remember very many things that we did that first year 
I can't remember a ton. I just remember you were committed. You were dedicated. Yeah. You were every day like on it. And, you know, I, I think as a result, I participated in it, but not at the same level that you were, but you were all over it. I was. I was in all the way and we posted every day about it. And just such a cool way to bring in, like I said, that Christmas spirit, not only into our home, but into our business and introduce it to people who had been following us. And, you know, I knew that year and every other subsequent year that every time I post about religion that we lose followers on social media. And I'm okay with it because I really, really, truly believe that God has made it up to us a hundredfold that even for all of the thousands of people that we've offended or bothered on social media who've unfollowed us because of our religious posts, we've just gotten so many blessings back. But this is one of the really cool things that came out of Light the World. And the first year that our church did this 25 days in 25 ways, and by the way, I really want to make this very clear that this does not only appeal to members of our church. They really have gone so far out of their way to make every single day something that any it's like anybody can literally do this. any Christian, anyone who believes in God or is even just like looking for something to do. You don't even have to be a Christian, yeah. actually. Or if you just want to um, like serve, if you're interested yeah, in serving others, anyone like just who, to feel good. And, yeah. Anyone who has a belief in a higher power and wants to do good in the world. I mean, let me just read a few of these. So like, take a vow of positivity today. Greet everyone you see with a smile. It doesn't matter what denomination you are. Anyone can do that. Yeah. Or think of a close friend or family member. Invite them to do an ornament swap. So you have something to represent each other in your respective homes. Like, how easy is that? You don't even spend any money. One of them is donate blood today. Your selfless service can save a life. Like anyone, I mean, not everyone can do that, but... Most people can do that, you know. So anyway, this really is so catered toward literally anyone who wants to have more of a Christmas spirit in their heart. But that first year, you know, every time I would post these, I would see followers drop off each time. And I was just like, oh, well, you know, I really just felt so prompted and called to post about this and to be open about how we were spending our Christmas season. So one of the last days, I remember it was toward the very end of December, there was a prompt about sharing your favorite scripture. And so I got really vulnerable and I talked about how I was not a scripture reader by nature, that it didn't come easily for me, that I you know, had to really work for it. And at age 28, I finally read the Book of Mormon cover to cover and that it changed my life. And how these people in the Book of Mormon became real people, real friends to me, that their stories just came alive for me, and that that I just believed in the power of the Book of Mormon so much, and that I offered it to anyone who would like a copy. And I think that first time I offered it, gosh, would you remember, were there like maybe 40 people or 50 or something? I I remember being surprised, you know, not that I didn't have confidence like in the message that we share, but I think just— I was surprised that that many people were interested in the Book of Mormon. It's really cool. Yeah, I still remember that we had sister missionaries that were working with us in our area at the time. And I was texting them and I started texting them that morning like, okay, I need 10 or I need 12. Okay, I need six more. And they were so excited. They came over multiple times that day. And then I wrote a personal testimony. And I still do this. Each time I send out a copy of the Book of Mormon, I say a prayer first. And I try to really be 
prayerful about what Heavenly Father would have me write in each Book of Mormon. And it's so interesting how I say that little prayer and then each time it's totally different. Whatever I feel like God wants me to write, you know, that little piece of my testimony. Because if you haven't picked up on this yet, I'm sure you can figure out that I have plenty to say about everything. So it can be lengthy, but, you know, each person's Book of Mormon, I've just felt like there's a different message to be shared. So anyway, one of those people that asked for a copy of the Book of Mormon was named Natalie. And so she asked for a copy of the Book of Mormon. And so I wrote my testimony in it. But, you know, during the holiday season, that's also like our very craziest busy time of the year. And so I was kind of just chipping away at a few of them at a time. And I think it took us like four or five days to get them all in the mail. And so she asked for that copy of the Book of Mormon. And then a few days later, she followed up and said, hey, are you still going to send me that book? I actually really do want to read it. And she sent me this follow-up email and I, I couldn't believe it. I was blown away that someone would follow up with me about whether I was really sending them the Book of Mormon. So I wrote her back and said, yes, I sent it. Let me check the tracking number for you. And I checked the tracking number and I was like, it's actually supposed to be there this afternoon. And so then she wrote back and said, it just arrived. Thank you so much. And I just kind of figured that was going to be that because that's how it is with most people. I mean, very few people have followed up with me after I've sent them the Book of Mormon. So a few days later, she follows up and says, I've been reading it. I love it. It feels so great. I should have the emails right here in front of me. But anyway, we start going back and forth and she's loving it. And then a couple weeks later, she says to me, so now my husband's interested in reading the Book of Mormon and he wants to steal my copy. Do you think by chance you could send me another copy? And I wrote her back and said, well, how about I send you some missionaries to drop off a copy personally? And she writes back and says, well, I don't know. We kind of live in the middle of nowhere. I don't know if they'll be able to find us, which is if you know anything about our church and our missionaries is so funny because, you know, they will find you. They will. <laughs> There is no question about that. doesn't matter how remote you think you of an area you live in. I mean, seriously, anywhere in the whole entire world, except for maybe China, they can find you. So, um, you know, we sent some missionaries out to find her. And it's so funny. Later on, I found out that she pictured nuns. She <laughs> And instead, these two young, cute girls knocked on her door and gave her a second copy of the Book of Mormon and started teaching their family about our church. And it wasn't just an immediate thing. You know, the story kind of has some ups and downs from there. They really were seeking out what felt right and what felt like the right church for their family. But ultimately, they decided to be baptized into our church. And that was such a sweet experience to be able to fly out to Pontiac, Illinois, and just be at their baptism, Natalie and her husband, Ryan. And then a year later, and actually when I went out there, I immediately told Neil, I should have brought you with me. This is such a cool experience. And Ryan and Natalie were pretty much immediately expressing an interest to be sealed in the temple the following year, which just for us, we believe that families can be together forever if they're sealed in the temple and through like a an ordinance. I don't know if there's yeah. a better way to explain that. Well, it's like, you know, like a temple marriage. A temple is just a, like a holy place where— you make covenants or promises with God, special covenants and promises. And so one of those really important special covenants or promises is a marriage between man and woman for time and all eternity, not just till death do you part. And so, 
you know, once people learn about that and are baptized in the church, that becomes a major goal for them. And there's just kind of a, they're given a little bit of a, of a buffer or a waiting period to kind of prepare for that spiritually and, and understand the church doctrines and, and, and make sure that, you know, they make sure they're want ready to stay committed. Yeah, yeah, that... before you, you know, you make the covenant. So, yeah. So anyway, then I brought Neil out with me the following year, like pretty much exactly a year later. I was pregnant with Millie and we went out to Nauvoo, Illinois, which was also such a special place to be because it's like has such historical significance for our church. But we went out there together and were able to be part of Natalie and Ryan's temple ordinances and just be witnesses, be present there for that. And it was such a special occasion and just amazing to me when I think back that like something as simple as light the world and sharing my testimony on Instagram would lead to this family just totally changing their life, you know, and again, that we were able to use that as a tool to facilitate just a total change in a whole family and help them find what they were looking for. You know, Natalie was looking for that. They were church shopping. They were trying to find the right fit for their family. And when she read this post of mine on Instagram, like something felt right to her. And then when she read the Book of Mormon, something felt right to her. And so I guess what I want people to understand from this story isn't like, oh, look at me, I'm so great. What I want you to understand is that if you're brave and if you have the courage to put your true feelings about the Savior Jesus Christ on social media, just how much that can impact someone else who might be seeking what you have. And that's just been such a cool thing to see completely come to life and just the change that has happened in this family. I mean, they were already people who were just totally wonderful people, full of light. But just to see even how much happier they've been. There's a video that actually the church did about them that we'll put in the show notes. But you can—she just says, like, right in that video, I can honestly say this has been the best year of my life. And that first year that they were members of our church. And I just think that you have no idea who you can touch by just a simple testimony. And I always talk about this whenever I speak about social media to a church group or to a group of people who are entrepreneurs or whatever, bloggers, teenagers, it doesn't matter. If you have 100 followers on Instagram, I want you to think about how hard it would be to get 100 people in a room to listen to you talk about anything any subject, but yet how easy it is to put your testimony on something like social media and have 100 of those people that follow you read what your true and heartfelt testimony is of the Savior or of doing good at Christmas time. And maybe when you post about something that you've done that helped someone else, then that's going to cause them to think about, well, maybe I could go do something like that. And if you're using this hashtag like the world, then maybe they'll click on it and they'll see other people who are doing things that are good. And I just think that I really have such a strong, strong belief that social media does not exist by accident, nor does it exist because, you know, it's Satan's tool. Like so many people, I think, just give all of social media a bad rap. I actually believe the opposite. I believe that it's there so that we can have a ripple effect to do so much good in the world and if we use it in the right way it can be used for good and in that way if that makes sense
what do you think, Neil? Since you're not on social media, but you have, <laughs> but you have, no. you know, this is such a big part of your life still. Yeah, no, it's it's the irony is just uncanny here because I'm, you know, we work together on with Mintero and our business, and it's all social media based. Yet I have zero social media, um, and that's by choice. I choose not to be on social media, just kind of for my own recovery process, and and I think you know it's just been better for me. So, but yeah, I just think the concept is incredible, really, and I, and I think the reach is so impressive. But also, I think with that, there has to be some some accountability. I think on on our part as human beings, as you know, as is using that responsibly. And I think that one thing that I've been really impressed with, Corinne, is just truly being authentic with what your faith is, what your belief is, you know, your beliefs are, and how that, you know, it's often going against what the popular voices are. And at the time, and especially the time that we live in now, that's not like the cool, you know, always seen as like the cool thing to do or the popular thing to do. But I think that a lot of times, like that's really what what matters at the end of the day is, is what's most important to us and what is really, what do we really feel strongly about? And I think that oftentimes, especially in the world that we live in now, where it's, it's all online, is that gets buried more often than not unless it's in line with, you know, a particular trend or a particular kind of mainstream idea. Right. And so it's, I think it's really important to just embrace that. And Well, I mean, if I so agree with you. Think about if you were to die tomorrow, would you care at all how many Instagram followers you left behind? I wouldn't because no. I don't have. Well, no, you, you wouldn't. But, <laughs> no, but so many the, people the idea, listening to yeah, this, would you like, care? Would you, would you even no. care? Would it even but, matter? But— would you care if you knew that some of the things that you posted in your last few days affected someone, yeah. made them think differently about how they were serving others, what their faith was? Maybe they need to be strengthened by your faith. Like those things actually do matter. They do. And the, I mean, with the internet, we know that it's written in ink. And so that those things live on. And so that is kind of kind of cool that you can continue a legacy too of like those posts or, or, like you know, that information entries. can live yeah. on. And so what do you want to live on? Is it like, Hey, I had a great diet Coke and went to McDonald's today. And it was awesome. Or is it going to be like, Hey, I, I post I, some of those things, which too. is like, <laughs> like, let's be honest. I mean, uh, I don't think we need to be like totally heavy every single post and just, you know, trying to hit it out of the park with our, our deepest feelings. But, you know, obviously there's a balance, but are we leaving those things out? You know, those most important core things that like, hey, if, if, you know, you could only tell me one thing about life, what would you tell me? Right. You know, and that are, was, are we leaving that out? Right. And that was when everything about Mint Arrow clicked. Like back when yeah, I, I finally, I finally got it because for so long I was like, Heavenly Father, you sure you want me to do this? This was not my plan. Like doing, being a blogger or even having a career at all was not my plan. But yet that's just how things continued to go more and more and more in, you know, kind of our early marriage and just when we had Annabelle and before and actually right when we got pregnant with Lila and it just still was like not making sense, not making sense. And right after Lila was born, she was just a brand new baby. And I heard Greg Drubay speak, who actually used to work on Light the World, and he spoke to a group of influencers, social media influencers, and said— this is the potential impact you could have 
If every person in this room got brave and shared about their testimony of Jesus Christ, this is the millions of people that you could possibly reach. And I walked out of there and said, I cannot live with myself and not share this. Like knowing that I can influence people to buy a hair straightener or buy like a magical pair of jeans or whatever that, you know, are going to make your legs look slimmer. How can I not be sharing my testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And I really had been very quiet about it. Like hadn't even really hinted at being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints before that, but walked out of that and said, I just can't keep it to myself anymore. And the first time I posted about the Book of Mormon, we lost more than 3,000 followers in 24 hours. That was before the algorithm. That was when everybody that followed you saw everything. (laughs) And I just knew that it was going to be okay and that Heavenly Father would make it up to us. And gosh, He has more than made it up to us since then. And I just feel like that's the purpose of everything that we do is, yes, we talk about deals and yes, we talk about gift guides and favorite things and all of that, but none of that really actually is at the core of what we do. And once we figured that out, it was like, oh my gosh, all of this makes sense now. Anyway, but going back to Light the World, it doesn't have to be all on social media. That's like the beauty of this year's Light the World is that The tagline, again, is one by one. And so, so many of these things are just affecting one person. Plan a one-on-one activity with a friend, a child, or a loved one. Call your parents right now and tell them how much you love them. Think of someone for whom you've had negative feelings lately and try praying for them. This is like a really cool concept, too, that both Neil and I have experienced thoroughly in doing the 12 steps. Like, that's a huge part. That's two different steps that you focus on people that you either need to seek forgiveness from or forgive? And what are your thoughts and feelings with that, Neil? I think there's a lot of power in that. Obviously, it's something that I find for myself. I just, I always say this, and it's just a theme for me is contrary actions, which basically is the concept of doing something that's completely the opposite of what your natural tendency would be, but that something is right or is correct. And I think that often in doing that and in praying for somebody that, you know, is wronged you or maybe you've had ill feelings towards or, or something along those lines, like, I think you begin to see them in a way that God sees sees them and, and mm-hmm. it changes that perspective Gosh, that's so a lot. True. So, you know, I've had some some cool experiences in, in doing that. Yeah, one of the things that the ARP manual suggests if you're having a hard time forgiving someone is to pray for them every day for, what is it, like for like a week or two, I believe. Yeah. And I've I've heard so many people just give powerful, powerful testimonies of how that's just been transformative for them. So I want to read something really quickly out of this book, One by One by David A. Bednar. And I would suggest if you want a good, short, quick read, you really could read this in two Sunday afternoons. This book, One by One, is absolutely incredible. It just takes you through so many different examples in the scriptures of the Savior ministering to people one by one. And I think a lot of times we think of the Savior as like performing these mighty miracles to huge crowds and, you know, just teaching big crowds of people all at one time. But really, his ministry was so all about one by one, serving the one and making sure that he went after the one or taking care of the one. And this is one really great suggestion that he has in here. He says, I would like to suggest four words to remember. First, observe, then serve. And I think that can be a really powerful concept too, just to look 
you know, look around you and just be more observant of the people around you who might be struggling. Or, you know, I try to tell my kids, like, look at lunchtime, look for the kids who are sitting alone, look around at the playground, look for kids who don't have anyone to play with. And I think that there's a lot of that we can do within our communities and within our neighborhoods. You know, everybody knows someone who probably feels lonely, who probably isn't getting invited to as many things as someone else, or maybe just seems to be struggling for whatever reason. And it just doesn't take that much to, I mean, sometimes it's just even sending a text. It doesn't have to be a huge thing. It doesn't have to be a huge time commitment. It can be something really small. In fact, the very first prompt of Light the World One by One is Sunday, December 1st. The next time you receive a text today, tell the person who sent it something you appreciate about them. Like, how simple is that? Yeah, I think that's a cool one. And you never know. It could just be some total random, like, your insurance agent texting you. <laughs> but it, you could totally make their day. Or they're just like, wow, man. Like, no one's ever said that to me in this, you know, professional atmosphere or something like that. But I think those are the beautiful things of life, really, are just the small moments where of just a human kindness or a human interaction where, you know, maybe a total stranger, whether you're on the receiving end or you're on the giving end of that. And it's somebody, maybe even somebody that you never see again, but like, man, how cool is that? And it's, there's just things that stick with you. You know, I can think of a few of those off the top of my head. I'm like, wow, just little moments, but we're so cool, you know? Yeah. Another thing that I really loved about Light the World last year that we kind of started as a little tradition, we were pretty new in our neighborhood and we didn't know a lot of our neighbors yet. And it was like as cold as it gets here, which is <laughs> not very cold, but you know, it was a chilly, I think, was it even raining that night when we did this with our neighbors? I want to say maybe so. it was even raining. But we bundled our kids up in some coats and started making batches of hot homemade chocolate chip cookies. And Neil went around with our girls throughout the whole neighborhood. I stayed home and kept the cookie shuffling in the oven and stayed home with Millie because she was asleep in her crib. But we just had Neil and the girls hand deliver hot homemade chocolate chip cookies to our neighbors. And that was such a fun way to just like I got so many text messages that night of like, oh my gosh, this was so unexpected. Thank you so much. Like who wouldn't love a warm chocolate chip cookie, you know? And well, I don't know. What was that like for you, Neil? That was, that was really cool. I was like a little uncomfortable. First I'm like, okay, this is so weird. I'm just showing up with this fresh cooked I don't know. I'm like, can be skeptical where you're like, if something's not wrapped from a store, you're kind of like, <laughs> all right, what's in here? But like the reception, I mean, it just, people totally like opened up and were like, hey, wow. Like just to see that you would take the time to, you know, go through that process of baking. And it was like warm. Like I could feel underneath the plate, like it was hot. Like I'd mm -hmm. hand it to them and they're like, wow, man, my, my hand's on fire. This thing just came out of the <laughs> oven. But like people were so pumped on it and like it was just cool. And I was excited to meet our neighbors and talk to them and just really good people. And it just opened up a whole new feel in those interactions. And so it just, it was really cool. It was a cool experience. Yeah. And that's the prompt for December 23rd. Think of a neighbor you don't know very well, bring them some homemade goodies or a thoughtful gift. So if you don't like to bake, like stop by Trader Joe's and get a little bouquet of flowers and drop it off to maybe like a neighbor who might be lonely or like a little box of Oreos. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything fancy, you but. You dash something to somebody. I mean. <laughs> Hey. I mean, seriously, anything. But I just feel like it could literally be a handwritten note 
to a neighbor just saying like, hey, you know, I love being your neighbor. Thanks for that one time that you waved hi to me, made my day. I mean, seriously, it could be something so simple. But this is what the Savior did through his whole life. And I think that taking the time to do these very simple actions during the month of December, I promise you, if you do it with your family, it will completely transform your Christmas season. And before we started doing Light the World, there were a few years in there where I felt like, man, with how hard we're working and how busy life gets, like it's kind of hard to keep that in perspective. Like as a kid, yes, you're so excited and Christmas is so magical. As an adult, I think it can get just, it's busy. You know, it's like people talk about the stress of the holidays and the stress of family and the stress of all the things that go on during the holidays. And this is, I promise you, the perfect way to do something very simple each day to just bring it back to what it all means and what it's all for. So if you want to join us, you can go to comeintochrist.org and sign up for these daily text messages to your phone and just get like a simple little reminder every day of, hey, today, you know, here's a thought. Offer a prayer of gratitude for Jesus Christ and his mercy. Something like that will pop up on your phone and you can just say a quick prayer in your heart and know that you did one small thing that day to bring Christ into your Christmas. So I just want to thank you guys for taking the time to listen to this with us today and wish you all a very, very Merry Christmas season and hope that you feel the Savior's love for you at this time of year. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Mint Arrow Messages. I hope that you felt a little bit of something stir in your hearts like I did as we talked about all of these ideas for bringing Christ back into the Christmas season. If you felt something while you were listening to this episode, I would love it if you would share just a little screenshot to your Instagram stories and tag me and put the light the world hashtag on there too so that hopefully a lot of people can hear this and be inspired to join light the world and do a lot of good with us this Christmas season. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.